No, if Cobb's name was Cube, I would absolutely still fuck him. Hi guys, this is Mel. If you've ever considered supporting the podcast, please take a look at Jess's GoFundMe linked in the show notes. They're going through a hard time right now and would really appreciate the support, even if that just means sharing it. This week's episode's a little different. Uh, consider a director's cut in honor of Jess's GoFundMe reaching $1,000. For every $1,000 raised, we'll be releasing special bonus content and bloopers as a thank you to all who have supported our dear friend. Just a warning, this episode's a little NSFW. Have fun. I feel like my next big project is just to make Cassie and Andor's grinder profile and then pose <laughs> as him to the to the men in the city of mm. insert my place of living here. Actually, right. that'd be really funny if you tried to catfish people with pictures of Diego Luna. How many would notice? Not a lot in this city. Be serious. In this city, you can be whoever you want, <laughs> <laughs> including Diego Luna. Are the are, are the Star Wars fans piling onto grinder.com.org.edu? I don't think so. You there's, are. There's the cold open. Hey. <laughs> hey now. Let he without sin cast the first stone. Come on. Yeah, be well, like a normal person. Go on TikTok. <laughs> Let's what pack song it up. is each Andor character on the new Taylor album known as Midnight's? Can we rank? <laughs> Who is Bejeweled? Can oh. we get the votes for Bejeweled? <laughs> Deidre? Not. <laughs> Deirdre in many ways is bejeweled coded. I also can't stop saying it. I, yeah. Oh, best believe I'm still bejeweled when we No, because she's the room. playing that while she's actively committing war crimes. Like she's starting out yeah. at the ISB headquarters listening yeah. to Bejeweled. She's going to the Eras tour. Can we make some commotion for the Eras tour? <laughs> so many, so many Imperial officers, because of the incident on Aldani, will not be able to afford their tickets to the, the <laughs> and that's the real tragedy you fucking rebels and that's, that's why, the real and that's, issue and that's why Deidre cares so much oh no because like she's she needs to see it all okay she but that is there. that is Noah. the mission that Cinta is on yeah. Cinta's like sorry Belle we can't hang out I have to go on a mission and Belle's like oh it's so sad okay we'll be safe she's actually just going to the Eras tour <laughs> yeah busy no. booked and busy at the Eras tour Start your subway engines. It's time for RuPalp's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome back to our Andor discussion. This week about episode nine, nobody's listening. Uh, I'm Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media uh, at Melvin Copa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. And my gender this week is the only wiki I care about is Andy Circus's wiki feet. No. So true. No, because no, I think that that is an important thing to talk about i don't think we talk about wikifeed enough on this show yeah. so sorry wikipedia i don't know you i only know wikifeed because this this show is giving giving the gals some content this episode was a huge win for the foot girls yeah. so shout out to them guys andy circus is not on wikifeed i just checked so what? if someone could get on that that would be great that's so fucked up he's been in so many things yeah, so if anyone who knows how to do that could get on that, I would really appreciate it. It would Can be a we get a service. source from Wikifeed? It's because everything he's been in, he's been in like a month. That's true, but okay, but okay, feet. but why don't we have Snoke Toes? Huh? Snoke Toes. Why don't we have Claw from Black Panther feet? Come on, guys. Smeagol. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did he play the main uh, monkey in Rise of Planet of the Apes? Yes, of he, course did. he did. Where are those feet pics? These are the <laughs> questions we are here to ask. I mean, last week we talked about Diego Luna feet, feet pics, so we have to stay on brand. <laughs> RuPaul's foot race. 
Okay, well, that sounds like we're hosting a 5K or something. <laughs> well, who says we're not? Guys, big <laughs> announcement. We're having a 5K. <laughs> we're picking a central point in between all five of the hosts where you all have to run. It's going to be more wait, than 5K. Wait, wait, but... wait, wait, wait. Let me check. Let me let me do some, some Googling. <laughs> some yeah, triangulation. Mel doxes us in real time. <laughs> God, I feel like Claudia right now. <laughs> Why? Because we're getting doxed. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry I said that and I was like that's fucked up. It was kind of funny though, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Would you guys like to know um the ideal midpoint yeah. uh, between all of our addresses? I would love I'm to. Scared. It's like Oklahoma. <laughs> no, it's not, which is kind of crazy. It what is, is it? Multiplier Indiana. <laughs> Bro, it's what the fuck? Really only Indiana? Yeah! Wow, that's or so Jess. close to us. That Sorry, can't Jess. be right. I put in everybody's address. Did you just dox us all? Did you just send our addresses to a content farm? No, I literally just put in the cities you all live. I didn't uh, put well, anyone's address well, in. Are you, do I think, is, do am I an insane person? No. Is that a point equidistant between those, or? It said, this is what it said. This is what it had said. So what has said, though? <laughs> 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 and that that is the midpoint. Or wait, no. That's the center of the minimum distance. Damn, R.I.P. Jess. They're going to have to trek, like, yeah. a while. That's, like, that's like, like a day and a half's drive. Yeah, for yeah. us, like, nonstop. Not... Yeah, for us, that is not that bad. Montiplier? That's just like Markiplier. It's just like Markiplier! I was just thinking that. Guys, I, should I subscribe to Markiplier's OnlyFans? There's yes, only one for answer. for his tasteful nudes. My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Fresh. It's fresh with PH. And my gender this week is creator of homophobia, Perinfertha. Yeah. what the fuck was that we yeah. have never yeah. had no because to my knowledge we have never had canonical homophobia in star wars until that moment i, I think he just I, also okay. misogyny so it's like you'll be an old maid just like fuck you parent get a job no literally no. wasn't he like wasn't he like who will even be left for you bitch get no. a job i'm like be serious like i get i get that you married your wife at 15 but look where look where you are Look at the yeah, state of your fucking, marriage quickly. You had a child marriage, so yeah, and you were a child bride, so well, let's he, think about he knows, that. He knows he married up, and he's like, and now I don't have to do anything. So you know, I don't, I, I don't blame him, although he's an idiot. I will say it could have not been homophobia. It could have just been him being like, ha ha, isn't that so funny? A husband, because we all know you're a lesbian. <laughs> oh, see, I, I don't think he hater. knows. Yeah, I think he's stupid. That being said, I also think homophobia is canon in Star Wars in another place. I would say in the Fallen Star when Stellan Geos is like, you and Ava are so much closer. Yeah, and, and Elsa's like, well, I'm our jealous. He's like, our relationship is just different. Girl, that is not helping anyone by you and saying Stella that. Stellan Geos was like, I'm good with dying, guys. So it's we're fine. Perrin, Mothma, and Elzar Man are the only homophobes. No! <laughs> Elzar's not actually a homophobe. He's just dealing with something. Internalized he just, homophobia. He just He's doesn't a realize a lot of things about himself. Wouldn't that be fucked up? <gasps> Perrin is like that post that's like, what if he treats every woman in his life poorly because his true soulmate is a man? He's jealous of Mon because he wants Tay. Oh, this is dark. Wait, guys, we just cracked the code. I, I feel like I've learned some kind of forbidden knowledge. I feel changed. 
Hi, my name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My gender of the week is Cassian Andor, King of Chisme. And I say that because I did rewatch this episode in the Spanish dub because, fun fact, um, for both Bix and Cassian, like, they, they do their own Spanish dub and it was very ass and very slay. I call him King of Chisme because he's both. He is... Well, the subject of Cheeseman, everywhere he goes, a prison, Ferrix, everyone's like, how do you solve a problem like Cassian? Like, all the time they're talking about him, but he is also the one passing around the Cheeseman, and it's twofold. Um, I'm sorry, Cheeseman means gossip, um, sort of, basically. Um, I, I, I did realize I didn't... Cassian Andor? I can't with that. <laughs> how do you solve a problem um... like Maria? <laughs> Hey, listen, he's fighting Nazis just like she was, so, you know. So true. <laughs> okay, um, I do love, I do love the, 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 the rogue oneification of the sound of music. We, we already did, we already did Les Mis, so we have to move on to another musical. It's a natural conclusion. Next yeah. week is Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> Wait, does this make Jin Captain Von Trapp? That was my thought. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah, Jin and as played by Christopher Plummer. <laughs> So is Jin Erso Captain Von Trapp coded? Vote in the comments. <laughs> she would rip up a Nazi flag. Who was Liesl? She quickly? would. Why was that like K2SO? What? Well, yeah, no. he briefly dated a Nazi. <laughs> but he didn't know. It, it, she didn't know he was a Nazi, yeah, to be just, fair. Just like K2SO, he was programmed that way. He didn't know. Hi, I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is. Mon Mothma being like, I know what you are. I I do think that in a lot of ways, Mon Mothma could be friends with Whitney Houston, the homophobic dog. Stop. I have to agree. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like in every shot of Mon Mothma, just out of frame, Whitney Houston is also there. We just can't see her. She's so close to the ground. <laughs> who is the who is the homophobic dog of Star Wars? Mon Mothma. Oh, oh, I hey, think. I think that Mon Mothma could, she is allowed to say hunty. I don't know. I don't know. Mon Mothma's going to a drag show, tipping a dollar and going, yas, queen, where? <laughs> no. Belle has to drag her out. Well, Belle, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, because I think Mon Mothma's a good tipper. I fear she might be tipping, like, way too much. Wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. That's how they're they're figuring out their banking problem. She said, "I gave them, I gave that four hundred thousand dollars or four hundred thousand credits <laughs> as tips. I go to this drag brunch every Sunday on Coruscant. Rupalps, Rupalps. <laughs> oh my God! We no, no, because she's like, she's like, she's like, I've been giving all of my money to this to this drag club, and then Ru, uh, Ru, oh my God, why can't I remember name? Palpatine is like, no, you're not, because I own that place. You didn't know that Rupalp was me." <laughs> The reveal? No, yes, okay. no and because a... they're at the drag brunch and she's like throwing money at RuPaul. Like, oh my God, this is perfect. Palpatine will never figure out. And then the wig comes off. You thought you outsmarted me. <laughs> I'd watch that. That made me think of the line Mon Mothma gave a couple episodes ago where it's just like Palpatine, like, you know, taught me <laughs> the, the thing. Oh yeah, where she was like, I learned from him. <laughs> yeah, the line about like, you you I forget the the exact wording of the line but like you know you're so distracted by like 
the rock in my hand that you don't see the knife at your neck. That's Palp in this situation. That's, she's yeah, so that's literally Mon Mothma so distracted by his drag performance that she doesn't realize it's him. I'm what? obsessed with that. What is RuPaul performing to, just out of curiosity? Do we Total think? Eclipse of the Heart. <laughs> oh, he's an old style queen. I mean, yeah. yeah. I feel like it's Total Eclipse of the Heart followed immediately by Crash by Charlie XCX. Okay. All right. I, uh, anyway, I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my agenda this week is Cell Block Tango featuring Diego Luna. <laughs> No, but we know he'd kill it though, because we know he can sing. I need it more than water and air, like literally, (laughs) like please. Which part in the cell block tango is he singing though? I I hate to say it, I really want him to do Belma Kelly's part. I want him to talk about walking on on his wife cheating on him. Well, no, sister cheating on him with his husband, and that's how he finds her. Oh my god! Oh my god! No, no. Okay, which one is Melshi then? The way I was also about to ask which part is Melshi. I am not assigning everyone in this show to be the cast of Chicago. However, I do like... Which one is Kino? I'm just imagining for a second, though, that Vel becomes our Roxy Hart. Um, Okay. I'm sorry. Can we get the Roxy dance number, but it's Vel? Oh, my fucking... God, you just like I, unlocked something in my brain. <laughs> All right, so we've, I know we've she'd gone, give. I we know went, she'd give. We went from Les Mis to the sound of music to Chicago. It's getting rough in here. Is Andrew next not week a little will... bit Chicago coded? <laughs> next week we will be covering Dear Evan Hansen. I disagree no. now. And Wait, that and I'm rent. sorry, guys. You know what? I think Cassie and Andrew should do a one woman version of Chicago. I pay more money than exists Trina on Vegas. Just like I Trina you. Vega. Cassie no. and Andor is being lowered into frame going. <laughs> He's saying Chicago. I'm a no. woman. <laughs> in Chicago. I'm a woman no. in Chicago. He's and scared. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Okay. No, okay, because where is, where is Trina Vega in Andor? No, because you're not so... Now? Guys, there's a scene in Victorious where Ch- Trina, all of the boys pretend to have a crush on Trina, and they come to her house, and then they trash her house while they're pretending to fight for her affection, so she freaks out and goes to get her dad, because all the boys are fighting, and she comes back, and all the boys hid, and her dad thinks she's crazy, and he goes, Trina, when you go away to college, promise that you'll go somewhere very far. That's so fucked why up. Why is that show so horrible? That's so no. fucked up. And why was I like, I thought you were going to describe the plot of this episode, which is to say that <laughs> everyone in, cause the, isn't there a prison episode of Victorious? And yeah, but that's, a an, that's the, the prison episode of Victorious. That's more when they go overseas because they think that there is going to be some fancy hotel for them to stay yeah. in that Psychowitz gets for them. And then they get there and it's like actually all fucked up that's... and like evil. It's literally just like this plot of Andor. They go and they're like, they're easily, the dictator of this country is easily offended and that's what gets them sent to jail. And then they're like, if we do a performance, will you let us out of jail? And they're like, yes. And then the performance gets fucked up. So like, you're going to jail. So then their teacher comes and breaks them out of foreign prison and gets them back into the United States. I, them doing a performance also. Why does Cassie and Andor and his squad? Why did you get stuck in a hot van while Ariana Grande is outside, like, dancing with a bunch of guys? Is that Wait. not the plot of Rogue One? <laughs> okay, but okay. Claudia has a point. Claudia has a point. Is Scarif not the hot buzz that 
the Death Star is parked up next to. <laughs> so who is Ariana Grande in that case? Um, I don't know why Lord I was Vader. like Han Solo, Bo- but... Bodhi, Bodhi, obviously. No, 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 because they're all like... stuck in the bus, and that's oh, you're right, right. So it's the Ghost Crew. <laughs> no, no. Wait, is Ariana Grande Target? Could it be Callus? <laughs> No, 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 because so imagine, no, imagine they're like, we've announced uh, that we're going to make Kalazed canon, but the way we're going to do it is by recasting Kalas, and then they reveal they've recast Kalas, <laughs> and then they've been Ariana Grande. That is <laughs> Sam and Kat, it's just Kalazed. They're like, no. here's, here's the Ahsoka series, and then here's the Kalazub series. It's Sam and Kat. Okay, no, no, because imagine, please imagine for a moment that we have to watch the Honorable Ones remake, but it's Ariana Grande. <laughs> wait, this, wait th- this does imply that Zeb is Sam from iCarly. Yeah. Yeah, Zeb's Buttersock. <laughs> no. Zeb is that not, it, yeah, no, okay, is the Buttersock not his bow rifle? That's what I'm fucking saying. Zeb is wearing a penny tee that says, like, rock sock or something. Like, something totally incoherent. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Zeb is is getting a motorcycle from his friend's brother at the end of his, at the end of Rebels. Are May Luron's not like spaghetti tacos? No. No, no, because then you are implying the Spencer Shayification of Harris and Dula. Is she, is, actually, because here's the thing. Kanan is Spencer Shea. No, I don't think so. No, because I don't think before, either of them are, before honestly. He, before he embraces the Force, he's kind of a pathetic little man. Like okay, Spencer. but Spencer is not a pathetic little no, man. But, yeah, but Spencer eventually, we're like, oh, guys, he's, we don't he's have a good this father. Is not like he, he was a good father he's from the good, beginning. But he was also pathetic at the same time. A man could not want to start singing creep. If you don't stop, <laughs> by Diego okay. Luna from the Book of Life. Do you want to talk about yeah. uh, about Andor? Do you want to talk about Andor? Did Claudia like, ever get Andor to? I don't think I don't think Claudia I ever introduced. I did. We talked about Chisme. Um, yeah, oh my god! I, before me, I realized that I didn't explain what that was. I just want to say, um, this episode is called "Nobody's Listening," but it's called "Nobody's Listening" with an exclamation point, and I think that's very funny. I don't know why. It's like nobody's listening. I, I don't know. Anyways, um, that is that was another Tony Gilroy. Hey, do you guys remember Rogue One? I'm referencing my own film, and I thought it was very fun. I mean, sad. It was sad, but it was fun. Didn't realize that was a Rogue One reference. I just thought it was like a exclamation yeah. point at the at the like towards the end of Rogue One when Cassian is like limping along with with Jin, and they've sent the plans, and he's like. And she's like, do you think anybody's listening? And he's like, I hope so, or whatever. Because mm. um, it's, like, completely out of their hands now. Um, and everyone was like, oh, oh, no. Because in this episode, he keeps being like, nobody's listening. This episode was really fucked up, wasn't it? This episode yeah. was so fucked up in every yeah. single plot line. Yeah. It made me feel a lot of despair. I would agree with that. I did watch it, and I was like, well, I don't feel good, but I do feel engaged. So that's got to count for something. Like... What I will say is this. I don't know if I would call it like a fun episode at all, but what it was was killer television. Like it was a really good episode of TV. Like the combination of the directing, the screenwriting and the acting. First of all, the acting. Every single bitch in this show is giving like an Emmy winning performance and they don't have to. This is Star Wars. They could literally just fucking phone it in. But every single one of them is like going balls to the wall and it's crazy. That being said, the combination of those things, like the way that I knew that it was good was like, you know, when 
the filmmaking itself makes you feel the way the characters feel. So you felt the stress that they felt. You felt the claustrophobia. You felt like when when Cyril like harasses Deidre, you feel like disgusted. You're like, oh, this is so like there's something. That's how you know it's good filmmaking. And that's why I like I, I said a couple times I was like, yeah, this isn't just a good Star Wars show. This is a this is good television. Um, and of course, I was reminded once again, I was like, ah, yes, this feels like watching season one of House of Cards and being like, damn, this shit is horrible, but also very compelling television. This is the episode where Deirdre gets all tortury, right? Yeah, those scenes were fucked. Um, those scenes were quite fucked up. What I will say about it in terms of Deirdre's character, uh, I know we joked a lot about her horrendous pricification, which is a joke that I'm okay maintaining. But one thing that I really do um, like about this show is, like, it's pretty clear she can be girl bossy, but not without the underlying undercurrent of the fact that, like, she is still a violent fascist. And, like, obviously, I've already gushed for literal hours at this point about the way that this show talks about fascism is something that I personally really, really like. But the way that this episode we saw, like, eight different people gunning for power in the imperial structure not even because they like love the empire but because it provides them with power that they want Ooh, it was too good also the commentary about prison okay i was here for it lorna Things were d. said lorna d would be so proud right now i here's my my thing i think that like something about um deidre specifically um oh my gosh i cannot remember the actress who plays her um, Denise Go, Go? I don't, how do you yes, say her yes, last name? Yes. She had a really interesting thing where she was talking about like how in the first, um, like first couple episodes, you're kind of supposed to be rooting for Deidre because she's like clearly a woman in a male dominated environment. But then she takes this turn where you're supposed to remember she is a woman in a man's environment, but that environment is also trying to gain power in a fascist system. And I think that she like really gets this role and you can tell like it's obvious by like the acting choices that she makes like that scene between her and Bix where she's like okay um we're actually going to use the screams of children who are killed to make you comply I'm so fucked up and evil what's interesting about that also is that like you know a lot of times we'll notice something in a show and we'll be like wow that was really good or that was really impactful or the whatever but like we can also tell out both inside and outside the piece of media that it was intentional. Like everything in this show is done with intention. Um, and that that specific very hard view on fascism where like she's talking about like she is a woman, but at the end of the day, she is a fascist. A fascist is a fascist is a fascist. I was like, I never would have expected an actor to flat out say that like on a press tour or whatever. Um I, it it just it slays incredibly hard. I like I. <laughs> I I saw that um that she made that comment too, and I also Claudia had the same reaction of like you used the f word. That's you said the word fascist. Okay. Um, I'll also say too about Deirdre. Like, obviously, we've joked multiple times about the fact, like, yeah, girl queen is totally a, a fascista, um, but like, she warmong her like that's what she's getting. Fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Fashy, okay. Um, but something that I, at least a tonal change for me that I noticed is like after seeing her do well, firsthand horribly cruel things in the way that I could like joke about, I'm trying to like voice this without sounding like an idiot. In the way that like 
in previous episodes, her victories were like, yeah, she's fucked up and evil, but like she's kind of slaying. That really went away after she's done a lot like, like on screen fucked up horrible things. Because now on the rest of the episode when she's winning, like my stomach is turning. I'm like, well, and it's not because I didn't know that she was a fascist. This is what I mean. I'm trying. I'm trying not to sound stupid. Like I knew that, but tonally, I think it really changes after you see her torturing Bix the way that she did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it might be that this show toes a really interesting line between the show and not tell. First of all, as we know, what is it? The Iowa Writers Workshop, whatever that was, a CIA plant. Like take show, take show, not tell. Like you know, take it with a grain of salt, et cetera, et cetera. But what the show, the show does is that sometimes it tells you things and doesn't show them in a very intentional way. Like we're gonna tell you that she's being like tortured with these sounds. We're gonna hear her screaming, but we're not gonna hear them. Um, versus sometimes where it does the show and not tell. Um, like for example, the line with, uh, like at the end when you're like cheering at the, at the line when he's like, how many guards? And then he finally tells him and you're like, yeah, like that's not like, okay, I'll join you. That's a show not tell kind of moment. Um, but it's again, very intentional about those choices and it, it flips back and forth. It's not always one or the other, um, which is very good writing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I also think that there's something about like the way that women villains are written, um, that is very interesting about Deidre is a lot of the time, um, especially, I feel like we see this a lot with women where they're either completely perfect or they're just so poorly written and there's like not a lot of middle ground. So a lot of the times there's like, we see these women and female antagonists and they'll be like, oh, well, you know, like you're kind of standing them because they're a woman and they're like doing something kind of slay and like, it's just something that people are vilifying them for because they're a woman that you would stand if they were a man. Or it's like, oh, they're very one-dimensional. I feel like with Deidre, it's like there are moments where you are like, like they said, like there are moments where you are rooting for her where you're like, okay, yes, like get their ass. So you're like, okay, I can go into this being like, oh, she's a fucked up evil woman. I love a fucked up evil woman. But then it tells you, and it, it also like recontextualizes a lot of stuff in other contexts. Right? So it's like, oh, just because she's a fucked up woman does not mean that you can be standing her. Because, like, just a reminder, just because she's like, haha, oh, she's crazy, she's whatever. She's, like, also, like, violently, like, torturing one of your characters who you do like who's actually good. And I think that there's something so visceral, too, about, like, the things that she does. Where it's, like, Arinda Price torturing Hera, I was like, that was fucked up. But Deidre torturing Bix was like, I know that it's it's not comparable because they're completely different audiences and it's a completely different show. But I think it's such a like, it was so visceral, visceral in a way that I was not expecting. And it really made me be like, oh, she is a multifaceted female villain. That is what when people are like, oh, I want a multifaceted female character. That is what I'm talking about. It's interesting. Yeah. You compared it to that one scene um, with Price and Hera because that scene had like a very different like purpose and like this scene with Deidre was very much like not her going overboard but her finally being let loose and being allowed to fascist girl boss her way to she's like finally I get to be as evil as I always fucking wanted to be um and as they're you know they're letting the reins free and then for Price like in that moment she's very much like 
She's at her most desperate hour. She has fucked up consistently. Even Thrawn walks in and is like, and you think this is going to help? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, she's not even like paying attention even, um, which is, it's a completely different purpose and vibe than this scene. Um, Sometimes Price can be a little one-dimensional. I think that's on purpose though. Um, And Price, I'll say it. I think Price is standable. Not in a good way, but yeah. I think she's funny. Well, because she's an idiot. not funny. Yeah, because like, she's. But I think that's what I think that's what makes it interesting. It's like, yeah, this is a thing we've seen. We've seen torture scenes in Star Wars a bunch of times. Um, you know, we've got like the the one in Empire Strikes Back or whatever. But like, how are they different? And and they're again, they're like that. It was a. It can be. It can be different. And it can have meaning. Um, without it just being like, let me torture you for information. Eh, it's bad. Yeah, I will say two things on that. One, first of all, I think I'm comfortable saying that Deirdre is like one of my favorite Star Wars villains, like as a character, because she has so much going on. There's shout out to her actress whose name I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Um, but like when Bix is like, you wouldn't even believe me if I told the truth, she's like, No, no, I wouldn't. Cause like she's just a sadist who enjoys hurting people. And I got I was like, I got chills. And the other thing is like this scene specifically, I feel like so often in Star Wars, pain is sort of vague. A lot of the torture scenes we get, especially with like Sith characters, is like they're just like have their hand over someone's head and they're like, now nah, I'm upset. The fact that they took the time to be like, I will be playing for you a sound that is the screams of dying children that I recorded on loop and it will psychologically damage you forever. Let's get into it. Um, Like, I don't know. It something that I appreciate is that it felt gruesome and heavy, but not in a way where like we were reveling in it. You know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like trauma porn, basically. This the scene felt impactful without it being like, isn't it fucked up? Like that wasn't the point. Um, but yeah, I really like Deirdre as a character. She's sort of fascinating and also like kind of really well written. Like she's got a lot of moving parts and a lot going on. And overall, I will not be standing her, but she is incredibly interesting to watch. Yeah, um, I I think especially something that we've kind of, I've not seen a lot of people talk about, but at the end of the episode when she's with her little IS besties um, and she's like, yeah, let's fake a car crash so no one suspects that we're going to go like do some counterterrorism. That, I was like, yeah, no, so you were, you've you've been fucked up this whole time this is not just like some like oh like i'm just trying to fit in in the office oh waka waka like no she's she's fucked she's fucked in the head um and that's just this entire episode all of it was fucked in the head but just seeing like at systems level and then like like at the system level with um i keep on wanting to call deidre her actress's name denise (laughs) that's it's fitting i think you totally could but like you know, like at the like more more systematic level with ISB, and then like with at Cassian's level where it's like, yeah, this is pretty fucked up. Isn't prison labor just like maybe the worst thing ever? I'm not to derail what I'm a discussion I'm really enjoying, but unfortunately, whenever I hear Deirdre's name, I'm always like, oh my god, my best friend Deirdre Bobirdra, Bo- the IRS worker from everything ever all at once. Also, her- Noah, I have to correct you. Her name is not Deirdre. It is Deidre. It's Deidre. Well, yeah. I'm notably illiterate. 
Or Dedra, as the one ISB guy Oh, says. yeah. Well, I've been really saying it wrong for weeks now. Um, you're, also... You're, you're kind of in your George Bush nuclear era a little bit. That would be the meanest thing you've ever said to me. Speaking of um, fascists. No, I was also going to say re-prison uh, labor. Something I saw on Twitter that I thought was funny was, well, a number of the girlies being like, that is so fucked up. That's like good science fiction. Babe, that's just real. Yeah, I was like, I have a terrible thing to tell you about volunteer firefighting. <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, hey, you might shit if you learned just how many textiles get processed by essentially slave labor in prison mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. a lot and some desks uh, some desks that are made yeah yeah i remember learning about the whole volunteer firefighters thing like years ago and being like that can't be a thing well horrible well <laughs> well do you remember when it was discovered after january 6th that that all of those desks on capitol hill were slave labor yeah that was a weird fucking time on Twitter, I gotta say. Yeah, no, um, that happened. There were wildfires in my hometown. Oop, reveal. Um, three times, and every single time I would enter the news cycle, they'd be like, volunteer firefighters helps. And I was like, were they volunteers? Some of them really? are, but a lot of them aren't. Many are not. Anyway, no, I just, yeah, this, um, speaking of prison labor and, like, the prison scenes, what was the old guy's name? I cannot, Oof. I remember those names. Olaf with a U? Yeah. 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 His whole um progression over the last two episodes, that was fucked up in a like a compelling narrative way, but like why did I always just say hole in the chat? I was about the siphon in the chat. Because you said his whole narrative. That's and fair. I just, hole. Yeah. I, I yeah, I'm thinking about it. Um no. Uh, Olaf's hole? No, 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 no. Just the content of hole in general. Whole in a very egalitarian sense. Whole for everyone. Um, Will there be whole after the revolution? That is the question I've been trying to pose for me. That's okay. Now that I'm going to get my PhD in philosophy or political science, but if I were, if I were going to do that, my PhD thesis would be, will there be whole after the revolution? <laughs> anyway. um, But no, like the show really does not pull its punches with like some of the realities of the concepts it's trying to talk about. And I both appreciated that they showed it and also appreciated that it didn't ever feel like we were meant to enjoy it in any way. I fear a lot of times when media tries to do something poignant or dive into the, the traumatic realities of just like the earth as it is, they often end up um, letting the audience laugh too much if that makes sense like not really understand that this is happening to a person who you should give a fuck about uh and andor does not have that problem they're really like no this is bad and you should feel bad about it i i like that a lot yeah i also saw someone on twitter say and i i hate that i can't remember who it was but something really interesting about um that whole situation is that in the end he didn't die because he was overexerted he didn't die because of well, I mean, maybe, but like, it wasn't that he disobeyed the rules. He did everything he was supposed to. He died of a stroke, which is like yeah. something that well, happens. It, it and I think it something could have been induced by being electrocuted oh, many times. No, I agree completely with that. I think, but the point is, is that it really was a good moment too for um, for um, Kino, because it was like he is seeing like oh i can't just keep doing what i'm supposed to be doing like keeping my guys in line isn't going to keep them safe because he had so few shifts and he 
died even though he did everything he was supposed to do and he's never getting out now because like he did everything he was supposed to do and then also in conjunction with the being like yeah all the guys um got killed because they realized that people weren't actually getting let out like that combination that was a fucking one-two punch if i've ever seen one yeah them learning at the end where it's just like a guy was supposed to get out because he had served his sentence but instead he just got transferred to the one area that ended up all getting killed because probably that guy told them like hey i was supposed to get out but i didn't they probably you know had some kind of riot or something and in the end they all got killed and Kino realizing oh fuck yeah even if we are like doing everything we're supposed to do we're trapped here forever that was a lot to take in in that moment and yeah that was one of my favorite moments of the entire episode because one thing about me I love looking into how people fall into systems of power uh, and that's why I liked Kino so much as a character was because like he was really interesting in terms of this like prisoner turned prisoner foreman like he's still under the thumb of the empire but he is a little bit less under it and he was really interesting for that um but yeah they're like also shout out to uh, Andy Circus because like the look on that gentleman's face when he put together like we're never getting out yeah that fucked he really did put as Jeff said earlier his whole Andy Circusy into that performance. <laughs> The other character who's just like him is the doctor, too, who's very, who's like, yeah, I'm as much like, I don't want to learn anybody's names or whatever, because I'm as much of like a prisoner here as you. It's a very interesting examination of like how like stratification and stuff like that happen. I mean, how they pit people against each other, not only in prison, but also in a workplace. Um, Because this, because these episodes, they are about organizing in prison, which is a real thing that happens. And everyone should go look up um, organizing in the jails and and, uh, prisons that are near them. You should. Um, But also, um, like, unionizing in your workplace. Like, what were the what were the ways that they immediately tried to shut people down? They were like, you have to be on program. We know that you're communicating with your hands across whatever. Or like they they were cutting down lines of, you know, they're spreading lies. They're cutting down lines of communication. They're, you know, they're the I mean, the biggest thing in this whole arc has been they're encouraging competition. Um, it is as much a commentary about, you know, I mean, we talked about this a little last episode of like it is as much a commentary about prison labor as it is just like about, you know, working in a fucking Amazon warehouse. Um, <laughs> like, um, yeah, I just, and yeah, Andy Circus. I mean, they all, they all, they all were really doing something. They all really did like, I don't know. I don't know what special sauce they had going on on that set. Yeah. And I think it's also just like, once again, because it is being, juxtaposed by all of this stuff about the ISB and like their kind of rat race it is the same rat race it is still a prison but it is just one where you get the the um the false notion of freedom where you get to go home and sleep at night but you're still in that jail I feel like that's why they also have been juxtaposing Mon Mothma's whole thing too because she is literally in this gilded cage i think i talked about a little bit last week of the like you know her environment it is completely stark white just like the just like the prison or whatever but it's like slightly gilded is it is it in this episode that we find out that this is a a state-provided apartment 
Okay, never what? mind. Never mind. Never mind. I do believe that is a thing that has been mentioned in Star Wars before, to be fair. Um, that the senator's apartments are state provided. Um, oh. Anyway, uh, I won't mention that. Um, but yeah, there's like, you know, you have like, she's in this little gilded cage. A lot of people brought up like there's that one shot of when Val leaves and you see like the like the layers of the of the entryway to her house and how yeah. it represents the layers of like her life and her personality and all those kind of things juxtaposed against the prison, which is a literal prison. Um, interesting note about um, in Rogue One, the line that Chirrut says to, Die- to Diego Luna, to Cassian, <laughs> he does say to Diego Luna, um, to, to Cassian where he's like, I sense that you are in another type of prison, like in your own mind or whatever. Um, there's just, just many, many thoughts on different types of opp- different layers of oppression, but also like this whole arc has also been about like seeing how, you know, one stomp of the boot in this case, like them putting down the resentencing laws or whatever, how it affects different people in different places, like at the party with Mon Mothma, whatever. They're like, this is how it affects them politically. This is how it affects someone in prison. This is how it affects people on the ground in barracks. This is how it affects the like ISB hustling around, you know, whatever. It's like, okay, what we are seeing the literal ways that the empire operates um, in many different facets. The Mon Mothma arts of this episode, I've obviously, I love all the parts with her because I like the political drama, but like one thing that I loved a lot, you mentioned like, you know, like the parallels between like the ISB offices and the prison and the Mothma's apartment. In all of those sections, you do feel sort of like you're in some kind of like panopticon almost insofar as like you're never not being watched. I really like how they like the camera sort of makes you feel a little bit claustrophobic to her. She's walking on her own fucking apartment, but like she isn't ever really out of anyone's reach. Um, which, yeah, I just, I just thought it was slay. This show is really good. Obviously we say that like every episode, but like the show's really good. Um, this is unrelated. Uh, well, it's kind of related. Also, I really enjoyed how this episode said Saw Guerrera was right. Because at the end of the episode, when all the ISB girlies are talking and they're like, yeah, and they name drop the same exact rebel cells that Saw was like, I'm not fucking with those bitches. Those ugly stank bitches. Because Luthen's already been working with them. His his entire little thing is getting totally fucked up. And so I was like, anyways, one of us is living, girl. So hmm. I think that might be another, like, I don't know, thesis of the show is like, you know, that whole thing of like community knowledge helps you like helps you win and organize and that kind of thing. For Saw, like we know he he organizes amongst people he knows. He has created a community of rebels. He he knows this information. He knows where he can win and lose, um, because he has been doing this little role of community organizing for this long. We see it on Ferrix as well. Of like, you know, oh, we're not waiting for Cassian to save us because this is Cassian's show. This is the community who knows best on how to try and handle this problem. This is the community going to Bix, like, run, like, you know, whatever. Like, they they have their own solutions and whatever. Same thing in the prison of, like, when, you know, their, their community organizing is not just, you know, Cassian is trying to figure out how to break out. It's also, like, how do we protect Olaf? What are the best strategies to keep going? Like, what, like, how do we talk? We've, they've already created a way to talk to each other. Like, there's over and over again this, this thesis of the, like, Community is the essence of rebellion. Like, 
community organizing amongst your own people and and Sagarera being appreciated in my 2022 it's more likely than you think is Luthen donating to act blue yes or no Stop. that was a joke no that's what Mon Mothma that's where the $400,000 went she do- she donated to like an act blue that went to Sean King and then the money disappeared <laughs> not Sean King what is Winred gonna do about this <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. I have been talking about Act Blue and Win Red um, in one of my classes for the last like three weeks. I know. I, I said, I said the word, and I could see the Winter Soldier trigger word <laughs> activate. I know. I feel like I need to listen to some sixty-year-old who's auditing the class talk about his opinions. Oh, that's that's Perrin Mothma. Someone free Ollie from being stuck in a lecture with Perrin Mothma. No way, because like, here's the thing. What else is Perrin doing with his day anyway besides auditing random class? Posting whole? Talking shit about his wife to their daughter? It's him and Slymore are getting brunch at the at the oh. place with the drag brunches. That's where they're getting brunch every day. Also, I don't know why, but I was just like, <laughs> Perrin Mothma posting am I the asshole on Reddit post where he's definitely the asshole. Yeah, he's always the asshole, but he's ignoring everyone's comments telling him that he's the asshole. No, literally, like, every single person is like, yeah, you, it's you. And he's like, well, one person said I wasn't, and they must be right, so I won't be really indulging in any of that self-reflection. He'll reply to the comments and be like, well, but also, this is happening. They're like, yeah, dude, you're still the asshole. And he's just like, no, but you're not listening. No, because imagine being... Because imagine being on like Coruscant TikTok and there's like a video of somebody making a, a pot or something on like a clay wheel. And then the audio is like, am I the asshole for inviting a bunch of fascist sympathizers over to my wife's dinner party? I, 45 male. <laughs> just like going who, who, do, who in Star Wars do you think runs one of those like, am I the asshole Reddit post reposting TikTok accounts? I don't know why my first instinct was Farzala Tarable. <laughs> okay, but you're Mine, right. But in you're the right. Republic, yes, absolutely. Mine's was Luthen. <laughs> no, I'm gonna what say, are they going to team up? What is Farzala Tarable going to team up with Luthen Rail? I was going to say Ezra Bridger. Um, <laughs> no. Like, they're like, what are you doing in your room? And he's like, oh, I'm making the Minecraft Reddit <laughs> TikToks. I'm they making a like video showing of me off doing his... Minecraft parkour while I'm talking about Perrin <laughs> Mothma's eminent divorce. Yeah, Luthen's is him showing like whatever his little trinkets are in his little like museum, polishing them, and then it has the eminent asshole like video, like sound clips over it. I also think that Luthen would be partial to a slime video of some kind. I don't know if he's the one like doing like the touching the slime or like okay. making it, but there's slime involved. This somewhere. is a this is a very important Goop. question. Goop buyer Luthen. Okay. What if Paldro is part of the rebellion, not clickbait? Oh no, Shut she's up. a rebel That's cell. That's my no. okay. guys. Okay, guys, because... the candle, guys, the candle that smells like Luthen Rail's vagina has exploded. <laughs> you guys remember that no, happened the... when yeah. a bunch of one of Paldro's candles exploded and How, of a yeah. How is my mama going to? How is Mon Mothma going to move all her money around? She bought as many copies as existed of a this candle smells like my vagina from goop.com. Okay. Thank you, Gwyneth. Who is making the five minute crafts videos where you can't figure out if it's really a craft video or if it's fetish content? Perrin. Oh, that's I was what Perrin say, is doing. Oh, that is what he does a 
all day. Oh, no. And he's like, no, him and Sly Moore are like, yeah, you're really going to like how this one looks. See, it's got all of the frosting in the top, and when we lift it, it's going to go down on the cake. No, no so I fucking hate it another, the video let's just exactly. Give another, <laughs> let's just give it another couple. Okay, so we're going to do it now. One, two. Okay, guys, hang on. We got to not be. No, like, yeah, you know, when we take it out, it's going to pour all over the they're doing that a thousand percent that's what's happening alternatively they're one of the guys who fills the crock with shaving cream and then puts their foot in it like that's a thousand percent how Lupin spends his they're time. making the fucking oh. soap that is shaped like a foot to wash their own foot yes. <laughs> anyway i don't oh know how God. we got here <laughs> anyways this is an episode about prison labor and the horrors of fascism yeah <laughs> can we talk man... about can we talk about bell yes let's fucking talk about it um, for one, you know, I'm pretty sure what, I don't know, maybe it's the last two episodes actually where we've briefly been like, oh yeah, Bella's gotta be Lupin's daughter. And then they're just like, haha, <laughs> Bella's Mon Mothma's cousin. I still think they're, I still think she's his daughter. Y'all got a fucked up uncle who like wears wigs? <laughs> no, that's just, that's just Mon's crazy uncle. Do you wear wigs, Mr. Rail? <laughs> Do you wear wigs? No, I do not. No, that's have him you to the worn fucking wigs? No, I the have ISB. Not. That's him to the ISB agents who come and are like, so do you wear wigs? He's like, no, I do not. That'll be him if they he gets caught and then that um, fucked up doctor is like trying to talk to him. DJ Miro is like, do you wear wigs? And he's like, no, I do not. Oh, I'm obsessed with that. I'm also with the idea of her being like, wig. Wait, did you say wig? Yeah, I did. No, not oh. the fucking Katy Perry moment. She's no. in her. Can we put her in her Katy Perry era? I think she should. Oh, I then like the old guy. I forgot his name. The head like ISB guy that was just like what and like Deidre was just like you wouldn't get this. This is for us. So like <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just for us. The rats do not run this city. We, <laughs> we do. do. Wait, that's that's Cassian trying to get everybody on his side. He's like. Are you kidding? That's the ISB meeting right there. They just play that audio and then go, all right, everybody can go home. We can be done now. That's, that is, okay. Also, I'm sorry, we were going to talk about Vel. I need to talk about Vel being the gay aunt who you don't know is gay when you're a child, but then you grow up and look back and are like, wait a minute. And Hang she's on. also, yeah, the cool gay aunt that's like traveling and she's like not married to anyone and she shows up and gives you gifts sometimes. And then... <laughs> Yeah, as you get older, you're like, wait a second. That's representation. I mean, the fact that we're like the gay podcast is always like, when are they going to put gays on screen? And then they finally did. And we like, we haven't, I mean, we've talked about it, but we haven't been like, we did it, Joe. I mean, we've done it, Joe. Like, we've, we've done it. So it's been done. It's yeah. Like, and like, Tony Gilroy. It's over, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I have the high ground. <laughs> like, t- Tony, this 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 white man gave it gave us the the lesbians we we did it joe we did it to to roast um parent more this fucking him being like oh bell when are you gonna get married haha <laughs> you're gonna end up an old maid and it's just like shut up shut up parent and mon also kind of looking at bell like hmm, i know what you are and bell <laughs> internally like yeah, I'm never gonna fucking marry a man. I'm not looking for a man because I'm a lesbian. And also, I already have a beautiful girlfriend who is off being slay somewhere else. But no, no, because Perrin is like, 
when are you going to get a husband? Blah, blah, blah. You're going to die alone. I'm related. Why is there a dog staring at you like that? And it's Whitney Tuesday on the floor. <laughs> no, stop. I, I She's will... like, that's weird. She's like always looking at you whenever you come over. And that other guy, Tay, I don't know what she has against you guys. I, I will also say that he says, he's like, oh, people, they get, they get political and boring. Like not only is she gay, but she's the gay political member of the family um not only it's representation but it's also him being like yeah i don't really like politics and then he hangs out with like the emperor's fucking posse is so it's so funny to me like him and slymore are like i hate politics girl what it's <laughs> the polycule with perrin fucking slymore and then um moss <laughs> Oh, yes. that's dark. No, because I Masamita in a polycule is so important to me. You guys don't understand. I okay. Oh my also, god, Moss. I just the Umbaran representation that we get being Slymore, all of those bitches from <laughs> all those bitches from the Umbarak and Clone Wars and Orla Jereni. They're my that is dream team such deeply no. varied representations yeah absolutely they show multifaceted culture also um oh poor Leda. just stop hanging out with your your shit dad like stop watching they bring up tay yeah and she's just like oh yeah mom's old boyfriend obviously they're like thinking that like mon and like tay something's going on between them i mean they could mon you should leave Perrin for tay tay seems better but like, yeah, Leda, I know you're a child, so I, I can't really fault you for this. And you're like probably at home a lot with your shit dad, but stop hanging out with your shit dad. Vel, can you stay longer and hang out with, <laughs> with Leda so that she goes off to historically women's college later on in life and realizes that, damn, my dad was shitty and actually my mom was pretty slick. I do fear that Leda is one conversation with Vel away from shaving her head. <laughs> See, I, I think you're I, right. I don't. I think she is firmly in her like trad wife era. I do think she will end up being gay later in life, but first she has to like be in her trad wife era and like go to BYU and then like and then completely okay. like deconstruct and then you know get become gay later because I because they've been saying like oh she really likes traditional Chandrolin custom whatever like clearly she's like she's kind of regressed into religion anyway. Chandril and BYU, what's that like? D oh okay. my god, I just wait, I think Ollie and I just had the same thought. <laughs> Was it about soaking? No! Tay that... soaking king? I'm <laughs> gonna... Was that that's what, that's what... <laughs> I was just gonna fucking say like, oh yeah, they're fucking getting married right out of like school, but no, you had to bring up soaking. You had to bring soaking into the conversation. We can't have a podcast where we talk about soaking. I'm just saying, okay, look, maybe she is going to Chandrolin BYU, but I like to propose that in her sophomore year, she meets a girl at a non-alcoholic party because it's BYU. So they're like, I don't know. Soda I don't know party. Yeah, wearing like a full-length skirt. Anyway, they listen to jazz music like, and they no. drink virgin. Shout mocktails. out to the girlies! No, 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 because because before you go for further, I just want to shout out the girlies who listen to this podcast who live in Provo because I know you guys fucking exist. I see our statistics. I know you're out there. Stay strong, my brothers. Warriors, warriors. 
<laughs> no, but I just know. Anyway, she's going to meet this girl and then go, well, I know what I have to do. And then she's going to transfer to a historical women's college, take one gender women's studies class, and then it's over from there. The head's getting shaved. We're getting six piercings. She's coming home being like, I like women. <laughs> Barry's going to have a heart attack and die. This is a side note. I just want to let everybody know that the place where Carol Karn works so we have the ISB. Um, this is something that was pointed out by Gold Squadron Gaze. Um, we have the ISB, but the place that Cyril Karn works, which is like the inner intergalactic bureau of butt some, stuff. Bureau of whatever, it the initials are IBS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't claim um, him. I don't claim him. <laughs> and that's the thing. I was like, I know this would be a hot topic, it's like no, like he can't. Uh, that's for Ron only. But maybe that's also why he only eats fucking cereal because anything else would kill him. No, I saw someone else saying, being like, his mom is like, I make you two meals a day. And I'm like, it's cereal? I yeah, I was thinking that yeah. too. She's like, I make you two meals a day, breakfast and dinner. And I'm just like, you you give him cereals while you're feeding your son? No, literally, I know because. I also thought that she was like, I slave in this household, okay? I am cooking and I am cleaning. And I'm like, all right. Um, Well, the cooking in question is pulling milk out of a fridge. So maybe we should pull back on our priorities here, Ms. Karn. She's just like me for real. I'm, I eat like one cheese stick and I'm like, I can't, I can't do anymore. I can't do it. You're like, that was a lot of cooking. I, there are so many dishes to put away. Really, we'll be here for hours. Um, Guys, uh, I think you might be ignoring the fact maybe she's just, it's just off screen. Checkmate. <laughs> All right, CinemaSins, pack it up. Uh, no, if anyone, you guys are CinemaSins, you're like, she doesn't cook any meals. Ha ha ha. The CinemaSinsification of RuPaul's Pod Race. I want to make it clear that I was not involved in this. <laughs> this is the part of the documentary I... about RuPaul's where we start falling apart. <laughs> this is where we see the initial, like, fractures. Finally, I can become Yoko Ono. <laughs> No, because I don't want to be John. <laughs> oh, oh no! Who is if assassinating Ollie? <laughs> if Ollie gets John Lennonified, that means that for my Drag Race talent portion, I have to drag their corpse on stage and shoot it a second time, which is just a lot of effort on my part. So that was funny. Do we want to talk about Cyril Karn? <laughs> Let's discuss Cyril Karn. Uh, fuck Cyril Karn. What was that? My guy showing up at a person's workplace and then telling them that you've been like waiting there sometimes just to catch a glimpse of them and then when they try to leave you grab them and like tell them like oh yeah you gave me hope and <laughs> all this weird crap that's extremely creepy and uncomfortable my guy seek help seek help and if any of you out there are idolizing this man and being like oh yeah like just like me in that sense like um seek help too i i saw a lot of good analysis about him of like how he's a very good commentary on like incel culture and how it's a mixture of like sh like the personal shit that's going on in their life and then you know some like the personal shit that's going on in their life they're being let down by whatever and then they also are being let down by the system and then the inherent misogyny mixed with um you know national is like it's mixed with a lot of different things um and while canonical misogyny does exist in star wars it's interesting that they're like and we're making incels 
We are making them canonical. This is a really, like, upsetting thing for a lot of people. And I think because one of the things about this is that it was very real. So I, I think with Star Wars, one of the reasons that I really like Star Wars is that it takes you away from things that are, you know, that feel super real and sometimes will apply real issues to this fantasy setting but it's very rare that we get something that is so visceral that so many people have experienced in their day-to-day -day lives being shown in this context it's a hard line to toe because with star wars we really want to look at characters like cyril karn and like quote-unquote villain characters and antagonists we want to look at them and analyze them and be like what makes them tick etc 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 but I think something that with what Cyril Karn did, it's very much like, I know for me and I know for a lot of people, you know, who've experienced that kind of thing are probably now looking at being like, I don't want any part of this man. So it's like, it's really weird to see people like talking about him, like being like, aw. And I see people like shipping Cyril and Deidre. And I'm like, hey guys, what are we doing? Just a yet another layer to this whole entire issue at hand. And not even issue, because it's not, it is an issue, but it's not an issue if that makes sense if cyril was not white people would not be having the same reactions that they are thank you because you're so that. right maybe if if dedra was a woman of color they'd be having the same reactions but if he was a non-white man showing up to her workplace being fucking weird everyone would be like no no because he's a freak so i just think that maybe perhaps we need to consider the racial dynamics at play even amongst white people. But talking about how like these are very real feeling issues is it's very strange to see people like, and not just people in like, but like, cause I think with any character, you're going to see people going to bat for them. And I think it's fine and it's interesting, but I'm thinking like from the perspective of like people who have experienced things like this, it's a really jarring thing to see. And you also think something important too in this context is in this situation, Deidre has the power to say, I am at my workplace. I am of a specific level of power in my life. I have a certain level of like social and capital clout. So I am strong enough to say, if you do this shit again, I'm going to have you put in jail. But the amount of people watching this who may have been in a similar situation who didn't have access to that, like it's very jarring and it's very strange. It's very scary. And I think it's, Again, it's really, like, not an issue I was expecting to see taken up in Star Wars. And I'm, I'm shocked that they went for it. Like, I think it was really well written. It really conveyed the horror of the situation. Yeah, I agree with you on everything, especially vis-a-vis, -vis, like, the it being really uncomfortable. I feel that in the hands of different writers, or even different actors for that matter... Um, it might not have come off as upsetting as it did, um, but it was like it was not it was hard to watch and it was stomach turning. And that was what I think made it impactful. When I watched this, I had the very woman experience or assigned female at birth experience, truly, of like laughing because I'm uncomfortable because <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I feel like I'm in the situation. Again, the writing's so good that you feel like you are in the situation yourself. Um, also, you know, White Woman Wednesday, I can relate to my representation on screen, the fascist bitch. No. <laughs> um, 
I felt represented today. Finally, Claudia, your story is being told. (laughs) No! I really feel represented. As a um, brown-haired white woman in Star Wars, finally, I am being represented. I can even empathize with a blonde woman. Um... (laughs) No. Wow, um, diversity really does break down barriers. Yeah, it really does. Um, but I realized, like, my partner and I, we were, like, laughing, and then we were like, oh, I'm deeply uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, because that's what I would do in that situation. Um, or, or, like, I would find it funny and then later go, oh, that was not, that was not good. Um, but again, this is, like, the mastery of the combination of, like, the filmmaking, the acting, the directing, the writing. Like, Cyril Karn's giving an a- What's his name? He's giving an Emmy-winning performance of, like, the making of an incel. Like, it's it's really quite something. Um, And also, like, you, we have seen a progression of his character. He's gone from, like, fucked up weird little cop to, like, we're, like, we're watching him change in real time. Like, he was fucked up and now he's more fucked up. We're watching him actually change in real time. Like, he seems like a different person. Something has clicked inside his fucked up little brain. Um, And... I don't know the, the acting is phenomenal there and like you could tell like even you could tell it was really like they again every single actor in the show we could talk about Andy Serkis we could talk about actually any of them um like ha- makes really good acting choices like the way that he like physically gets really close to her and how uncomfortable that is and we're in this huge space we're on Coruscant where it's like open air we have thousands or whatever they are on an open air place but it feels so claustrophobic it was just I was like yeah this is this is this is really good filmmaking. Should we do our final thoughts? What was everyone's fave moment as a final thought? Let's go. My favorite moment is anytime Belle is on the screen. She is one of my favorite characters in this show. Um, the other favorite moment I have, and something we did, Claudia, I think mentioned a little bit, um, is that I fucking lost my mind. And I know like everyone did at the end when Kino finally breaks and says like, there's never more than 12 guards. The I feel like the collective shriek, like we could have broken some sort of barrier with that. We could have shattered the glass ceiling with how loud everyone shrieked with that. Andy Circus is one of the highlights of this show. This whole arc is so fascinating to me. But the acting, he was acting his ass off. I can't wait for him to turn into Snoke at the end of this next <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> I I also say like I I recognize some of like the writing techniques that were used, like you know how in comedy there's like the rule of threes when you like repeat something a certain number of times and it like heightens or whatever. Yeah. The heightening that they did in this when he consistently at he asks like how many guards are there and each time there's a different purpose for why that's there and then you have that final one that's like the most heightened not the heightened form of the joke but basically the the most heightened one. I was like, damn, this is like a master class in fucking screenwriting. Jesus. This is so um this is a this is a this is a very side tangent. Um I did rewatch the episode in Spanish. I never watch dubs of live action things, but I wanted to see um a, um Adi Arjona, I think her is that her name? I always miss like one letter in her name. Um and then uh Diego Luna's like they did their own dub of their characters and it was very cool. Um what was interesting to me was the translations of the of the the like weird terms that they use so like they kind of offer this otherness in the in the in the english they say like instead of like hold your position or whatever or like put your hands up they say like 
what do they say? Like stay on something, stay on program is what they say, which like doesn't really make any sense. But like you, you get it through context clues. Eventually they say like stay on program. They say like one other thing or whatever. And in Spanish, they did it really literally. They were like, hold your position. Like they would say like, hold your position or like put your hands up or whatever. And I just was like, wow, it really took out that kind of masterful thing. It made me appreciate in the English, like, all of the like little tiny uncanny valley things that they did to like make the viewer uncomfortable and also make you feel like not only is this a galaxy far far away and this is a different place but also for you to feel uncomfortable and this is an odd place and an odd thing also when they do it in spanish the uh, the the empire they need to have spain spanish accents i want to hear them say cortathant i want to hear them say it anyway I was like, I'm a, I want to, Kathian, Kathian. Yeah, I think they should switch. I'm going to switch back and forth between the Spain, Spanish and Latin American dub every time we go between scenes because I think that's very funny. Anyway. No, no, because I've realized where Monomothma's daughter is headed off to. Barcelona. She's going to España. No, Chandrila. <laughs> I went to España for a summer. I was never the same. No, España. España? Barcelona. <laughs> Anyway, I'm, I'm obsessed so, with that. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Um, honestly, my favorite part of this episode, I feel like I've talked to death, but like the parallels between the different prisons our characters are inhabiting was very living. I like how the show looks a lot. That's a thing I'm not sure that I've really like mentioned more than I should. But um, I really like how the show looks. I also cannot keep talking about the score forever, but while it's good, I like it a lot. Um, and one thing I like too is just like. We got so many fun character interactions in this episode. I really enjoyed that. Um, and I also like Mon Mothma's House of Cards. I'm really, I'm really here for her, her sleigh era. Uh yeah. I don't know. I like this episode. I mean, it was harrowing, but it was really good TV. I also enjoyed this episode, even though it filled me with a like a lot of dread by the end. And I'm I'm worried about Andy Circus's character, Kino, like man has had some character development he's gonna go and we only know cassian and, and melchi are safe so i'm just like goodbye to the rest of you i'll miss you when you inevitably pass away because i feel like that's what's gonna happen but yeah this episode good again yeah um all the actors putting their whole act in it good for them like emmy emmys for all of them they should all be nominated at least for an Emmy because I felt for every single one of them and I'm just like damn you really have me convinced that you're like either fucked up little guy or um or just sad <laughs> I'm I'm excited for next week when we get the end of this little prison arc and to see hopefully Cassian be free from from prison again and where feet the story's prison. going huh from feet prison Oh my god, no, we can't talk about feet prison. I mean, if they did break out of prison, it would be like an amazing feat. Yeah. All right, all right, are we done? You're done. Um, I have my final thoughts. Um, I really liked this episode. Um, I think just from like narratively, very solid. The overall aesthetic of the show has just felt oppressive in a way that is just like, okay, I'm immersed. Um, I think though, the thing that we did not talk about this episode but I'm obsessed with is the part where Cassie's like, can I go piss please? 
And he goes into the bathroom and try- is like working on his little escape route via the pipes and the plumbing. <laughs> um, and I just don't, I don't yeah. know why. I think I was just reminded of um the Grand Budapest Hotel because I rewatched that film recently. <laughs> it's just like this is so slay. I can't. I I'm so excited for him to walk around with his little trolleys of of little delights, his little hammers. Imagine if this show was directed by um, Wes, Wes Anderson. <laughs> Wes Anderson. In, in and or season two, Wes Anderson will be doing an arc. Little plinky plonky music. <laughs> well, we've got to do this. Fucking no. The this, fantastic this, revoxification of Andor. And then one of the most famous strange people you are you would never expect to be there will show up. Like, no. Willem Dafoe finally at Star Wars! <laughs> <laughs> the Wes Anderson-ification. Tilda Swinton Wars. playing herself. It's just Tilda Swinton. She's like, I don't know how I got here. No, because no, she's a bitch who looks like an Umbaran. Are you kidding? She's... <laughs> oh my god! Damn, Tilda, I'm so sorry. Fuck. Fuck you! Uh, Orla Germany she... is beautiful and sexy. I... Don't talk about Umbaran's like that, you trick-ass bitch. <laughs> sorry, Noah. That was me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry. No, okay, can I be honest? I'm I sorry. forgot what Umbaran's were going to be the Umbara arc, and I was like, don't tell me until this one looks like Pong <laughs> No. <laughs> no, because he is the worst of his kind. Dex would never do that. I'm just imagining, like, the prison, but in, like, cross-section, like, a dollhouse, like, Gugglesson or something. I'm sorry. I'm just on my toes went crazy because can you imagine Suspiria starring Pong Krell? I'd watch. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with your brain? <laughs> Doctor like, Strange. I was just gonna say. 2005 Constantine starring Keanu Reeves and now Pong Krell. I can't wait to watch the next episode. Andy Circus is like, guys, you will all fit in my asshole if you just crawl up in no. there. No! <laughs> like, guys, you, I'm, I walk I'm, out. Gonna, I'm gonna distract the guards with my with my gorilla pussy. You guys go. <laughs> <laughs> prison, no, prison break. More like prison game. Mel, did you did you finish your final thoughts? I'm I did. No, I did finish my final thoughts. <laughs> You're laughing. Mel, are you okay? <laughs> they just thought of something and it's made it worse, didn't they? I don't know why, but my, my, just like, like, that's where my brain went to as soon as, as Noah was talking about <laughs> Andy Circus slash Kino, whatever the fuck his last name is. Gaping? His gaping, his gaping hole. <laughs> <laughs> Cavernous, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you can no. put two hands up there and go tight, right? I hate you so no, much. Tell us. <laughs> Not Cassian, the glory hole. Cassian was going into the bathroom. He was like, "Oh no, into the glory hole." I guess I'll just cut this pipe. <laughs> no, I'll lay, a, I'll lay a different kind of pipe in the bathroom. <laughs> I love you. I love Itu Mama Tambien. No <laughs> fucking worst conversation. Welcome to the Snoke themed glory hole. No, that's okay. it's just damp. No, it's the, the glory hole is damp. Yeah. It's the Snoke Memorial glory hole. <laughs> Snoke Memorial glory. Kylo Ren's like it's over there. 
has everyone on the ship had a turn at the snow thief? <laughs> the snow thief glory hole. Oh my god. Hello, and welcome to our favorite segment, Name That Ship, where um, one of you sends us, or we find, a, fan a Star Wars fan fiction on the archive of our own, and we play a little guessing game where you have to guess who are the characters in the ship, or just who, the, who are the characters in the fic. This is a celebration of fanfiction. Please do not seek these fics out. Please do not contact these authors. And we are doing this to celebrate the art um, and, you know, the ridiculousness of Star Wars fandom. We do this out of love, okay? This is all in good fun. Disclaimer over. Um, I'd like to start us off today with a fic that was sent in by friend of the podcast Mackenzie. What, what is Mackenzie's at? Oh, Mac to reality. So this is rated teen and up. The relationships are character A slash character B, character C and character A, so just a friendship, Ahsoka Tano and Anakin Skywalker and character A, a friendship, character B slash being a massive clown, <laughs> character A slash character C implied the characters are character b character a character c ahsoka tano anakin skywalker additional tags also featuring the jedi high counselors whose names i can't i can remember character a's last remaining tie to sanity and many seagulls pining slow burn no sex one-sided fake dating requited love or is it alcohol body horror derealization the last two tags are for a single chapter. Feel free to skip if that's not your jam. Fix it. Technically. It gets worse before it gets better. Crack? Written by people who've never done drugs or even seen Star Wars except me. Hi. Um, yes, this was written by four people. Character B is horny and stupid. Character B is repeatedly cock-blocked. This was supposed to be a slow burn. What happened? Reviews are in. Feels like a fever dream. And a funny pun that I can't say because it would give it away. So Is one of them Darth Maul? No. Are they force sensitive? At yes. Least? They are both force sensitive. Is one are they Jedi? One is. Okay, so they're both force sensitive, one is not a Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Character A is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, <laughs> okay, wait, was so is okay. character A the one that was horny and sad? No. <laughs> hornier and sadder than obi-wan kenobi oh, literally it's not really and canonically it's it's really just for the for the fic and then um, the both, ventress the fic is 11 chapters long no they are two men they're both force sensitive yes um fuck uh savage oppress you're getting closer but no feral, feral? oppress no is that closer or further uh, no that's a, that's a little further no because you're getting closer. Why was I just like Grease Dritus? He's not force sensitive. Okay. <laughs> but I, okay. No, to any of our listeners out there, if anyone feels like writing Grease Dritus slash Obi-Wan Kenobi, I would love to read it. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, Rupel. <laughs> is she Palpatine? Ah! <laughs> um, do you want to guess who character That's his C step -grandpa. is? grandpa. Do you want to hear who character C is? Oh, is that his? No. You have to guess. Oh, is that his step grandpa? <laughs> you, have to, you have to guess. Is it another man? It is. Are they still in the same era as like yes. the Clone War stuff? Okay. And force sensitive. 
So wait, so I'm sorry. I need. To, so is this three characters all shipped together, or is this uh, character no, A, character um, B, and then character C character, is also there? Character A, Obi Wan Kenobi slash character C implied, and also oh, this, okay. this character and Obi Wan. Okay, so we're not shipping Sheev and. Yeah, Obi-Wan. I was about to say what? No, the no, fuck? we we are shipping Sheev and Obi Wan as well. We are. That is the first <laughs> okay, ship, but then we're what? shipping shipping Obi Wan and someone else. Yeah, then and they're also force sensitive. Yes. Are they a Jedi? Yes. Anakin? <laughs> no, thank God. It's not Kid Fisto? No. Lo Koon? No. It's also Quinlan- a man, right? You Quinlan said man? Boss? Yes, it is Quinlan Vos. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so the summary is, a menace from within. Quinlan Vos, one of the foremost Jedi shadows, has uncovered evidence of Sith activities inside the Republic's own leadership. If left uncontested, the presence of the Sith could put the entire galaxy at risk. But the webs of the Jedi's enemies are so securely woven that any information leak would jeopardize the entire order. In this final hour, Jedi leadership must decide what they are to do. With the war escalating on all fronts and a, a traditional investigation impossible, the Jedi High Council approves a desperate plan to find out once and for all who <gasps> the mastermind behind the Clone Wars is. Yes. Are they... You- this is you are correct. This is fake fake relationship. Yeah. What the fuck? It's so Obi Wan is like, I guess I gotta shack up with my home. With- yeah, and then and then <gasps> Sheev is pining for him. Mm-hmm. No. Exactly. Oh my god. So hey. It is eleven chapters. Okay, my turn. So uh this was also fic sent in by at tomatoes against John Noble on TikTok. Oh, they wrote this one themselves. Okay, slay. Cool. Um, because there's a little note by their name that says, I wrote this one myself. So uh thanks. Now we're reading it. So this is called If I Could Do It All Over Again. So the tags are character A slash character B, character A, character B, Qui-Gon Jin, Padme Amidala, Sabe, Star Wars. Anakin Skywalker, Fluff, Angst and Hurt slash Comfort, Emotional Hurt slash Comfort, Fluff and Smut, Fluff and Hurt slash Comfort, The World Between Worlds, Star Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn Lives, um, Character A Needs a Hug, Character B Has Amazing Head Game, Yes, I Said It, Started Out as Smut and Became Something More, Canon Divergence, um, Star okay. Wars The Phantom Menace and Canon Divergent Star Wars Attack of the Clones and um, <laughs> Canon Divergent Star Wars The Clone Wars 2008. Character B would have made a good Jedi. Sabe deserved Padme more than Anakin. Planet Naboo Star Wars, Naboo Royal Handmaiden Star Wars, Post Battle of Naboo Star Wars. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is a good Jedi master. I'm not going to say that word because I'll give away a character rare pairings other additional tags to be added canon typical violence okay well first of all i think it's um oh my god what is her name why did i forget her name shmi skywalker slash Django fett no okay you were like prepared with that that's such yeah that's such an interesting wait i think i have seen that is one of them craig dooku no fuck i think he has amazing head game Okay, wait. So are there are there two ships? Or there's no, just one there's one it's just ship. One ship. Is it a man and a woman? It's a man and a man. Oh. And and none of them is, is... CO Bibble involved. <laughs> no. 
So, so Qui Gon is not one of them. Is Obi Wan one of them? Obi Wan is character A. Oh, so it's two men. It's so Obi Wan doesn't have head game. Then is that the? Yeah, <laughs> Obi Wan. Who is has it character B? Who has head game? Okay. Is it Jango Fett? No, it's not Jango Fett. Is it um a character that's in the Phantom Menace? Yes. Darth <laughs> Maul. No. Oh no. Gregor Typho? No, it's he. He's not in. It's that not. One. It's he's not. In... It's not Co Pitbull. <laughs> is he Jar Jar Binks? <gasps> no, but no. you're getting close. What the fuck? Oh my god. <laughs> He's got that gok gok? <laughs> no! Apparently. Gok gok 5000 boss Nas. That's what he's the boss of? <laughs> After the Battle of Naboo, Obi-Wan finds some much needed warmth much needed warmth and comfort from an unlikely source blossoming onto a wild and passionate love affair that could change the whole galaxy <laughs> what so they're they're fucking for love it's yeah. love making it's not <laughs> even love it's, that's why it's canon divergence wow. for all three of the the prequel movies How? and so also true. the clone wars how no. many chapters there's three i kind of want to read this um it's the person who sent this to us if you're listening i need you to continue support independent authors you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're in a lot of ways they're like our chuck tingle yeah <laughs> oh this is so Jesus. oh my god not chuck tingle <laughs> you know the theory about chuck tingle being um homestuck author uh that would be the internet's the greatest fuck, fuck, crossover of all time like the greatest crossover. Yeah, there's this like conspiracy theory back on Tumblr when Do we think was Chuck still a big Tingle? thing. Do we think that Chuck Tingle has written Dave Cat fan fiction? I I can't answer that. Thank you so much for joining us this week for RuPaul's Pod Race. For updates on Star Wars news, our reactions to the High Republic Phase 2, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at RuPaul's Pod Race on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Want to ask us a question? Send us a question on our TikTok Q&A or email us at RuPaul'sPodRace at gmail.com. If you really love the show, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us a lot. And may the force be with you. And don't crip it up. Waka waka. waka, waka. waka.